I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Crypto Savvy The Essentials podcast brought to you by Hashkey Group. My name is Jason. I'm once again your host. And today I'm joined by my guest, Mr. Oreo Cordovia. Now, Oreo is a global fintech and blockchain influencer. He was named Asian Fintech Speaker of the Year in 2021 and has participated in over 150 international conferences since 2020, talking about CBDCs and blockchain. And he's also the host and creator of his own podcast, A Digital Tomorrow. Well, welcome to the show, Oreo. How are you? Thank you very much, uh, Jason. It's my pleasure to be here today. Uh, thank you very, very much for inviting me. And I'm looking forward to this uh, conversation. Yeah, no problem. And uh, loving your background of the uh, Victoria Harbor of Hong Kong. And actually, speaking of Hong Kong, um, I think I first approached you during FinTech Week last week. We wanted to do a session on the um, exhibition floor of Hong Kong FinTech Week, but I didn't know that you were not based in Hong Kong at the time, so we weren't able to do a session. But luckily, we're still able to do this virtual podcast recording. And obviously, you know, FinTech Week was what, November, uh, end of October Mm -hmm. last year, and so much has happened since then, right? It's like the industry is is completely at a different stage right now, but we won't get into that. Um, today, we want to focus our discussion around blockchain, which are both your very strong expertise. Now, or I kind of want to begin our conversation by, by peeling back, you know, your background and kind of your hero story. Can you briefly, you know, tell us your experiences in blockchain? How did you get into this field in the first place? Sure, sure. I'm going to try to make it uh, short, but uh, I initially studied in the world of law. I come from, from a legal background. I studied law. I started working as a corporate lawyer. So as you can see, it was much more uh, traditional than blockchain. Then I, I initially focused towards uh, finance. I did an MBA in, in my country, in Spain. And well, then I, I, I worked in Hong Kong as well uh, as an M&A analyst. So um, for a publicly listed company, a Chinese company listed in Hong Kong. So as you can see, my background was more traditional in law initially, then in finance. And well, I spent a few years in Hong Kong, you know, because I also finished my PhD in Hong Kong. 
And it was somewhere in between my stay in Hong Kong. I think I would say maybe around 2017 or 18, where I started to realize that the future was about uh, technology. It was about uh, not so much about uh, finance. I mean, when we talk, for example, about fintech, I thought that the future was more about the tech side. You know, so whether you apply this tech side to either finance, to, to either the, the legal world, to whatever, uh, this is where I think you will get the, the nicest things. You no, know? because it's not. It's no longer, I think, about uh, providing the same traditional legal or financial services that we did before. No? So that's how I started to get more involved in the, in the world of fintech in general, uh, including, of course, I mean, virtual banking, blockchain. But if there is one area that caught my attention, that caught my eye, was that of blockchain. So even though I've been exploring other artificial intelligence, I thought that blockchain had a huge potential as well. And that's how I started to become much more involved in that area by advising companies, by participating in conferences, and by doing some of these uh, things that you that you mentioned. Uh, initially, I must be honest, it was kind of a um, hobby, I can say. I mean, I, I had already my full-time job as an M&A analyst, then working for a legal tech company. So I would say that uh, my involvement in fintech was initially more about uh, well, uh, trying to learn uh, for myself, and then after a while, I kind of started to become more well known in this area to the point that nowadays I am luckily invited you know, to participate in, in many conferences, to advise uh, you know, companies, central banks. Yeah, I would say this is pretty much my, my summary. And speaking about uh, finance that you mentioned, actually many of our listeners of the Crypto Savvy podcast come from a traditional finance background. They worked in banking for a number of years. So we're going to dive deep later into how blockchain can, can disrupt the traditional finance industry. But before we go into that, can you first give us a definition? Because we've seen the words blockchain used a lot, as well as DLT, distributed ledger technology, right? Now, can you tell us what are the differences between these two, these two cousins? To make it uh, brief, I would say that DLTs or DLT would be the umbrella term. Uh, and blockchain would be included within uh, DLT. So uh, DLT is a little bit broader than blockchain. So this is why... Uh, it's not completely accurate to use uh, blockchain as a synonym of DLT, even though blockchain is included in DLT. But DLT is not included in blockchain. No? So one is the umbrella term and the other is um, a more specific term. So DLTs include more than blockchain. But to be honest, uh, I mean, we're going to focus now on, on blockchain. Most of the times when, when we read about DLT, uh, actually most of the media or people are actually referring to blockchain specifically mm. you know but it's important to remember that it's not exactly the same yeah so it can't it can't really be used interchangeably technically right exactly and um speaking from a very general point of view oreo what do you think is the one true value that blockchain can really change the world or really change the way we go about our lives well i mean i think this depends on on whom you are asking this question to. To me, um, one of the key areas, aside from these two, is also the idea of uh, security, immutability, and also, uh, but not, not less important than what I said before, this idea that blockchain can help make processes much more uh, seamless, efficient, faster. Uh, this is something that we're going to discuss later, I guess, but um, you mentioned uh, that blockchain can be applied to traditional finance, to traditional banking, and this is true. Blockchain can actually be applied to many industries, but I would say that this idea that blockchain helps to make processes more efficient, uh, more seamless, uh, faster, I think this idea to me is key. I know that decentralization, immutability, 
all those areas are important, but I think this idea of making things more efficient is also very important. Now, from my understanding, there's actually a very various categories of blockchain used in the enterprise space. There's permission, and then there's permissionless blockchain, and then there's also public ones, private ones, or even like hybrid blockchains. Can you walk us through the world of blockchain used in the enterprise sector in general, and how, how do these types compare with each other? I think that what makes blockchain so interesting is that it has become an autonomous technology in the sense that it is no longer that technology that only applies or only underpins the operations of cryptocurrencies. It is much more than that. I mean, there are many, many companies now working on this area. Uh, trade finance. Trade finance is an area that used to be very uh, paper-based, very traditional, until now, and actually it has been so for, for centuries. No? So applying blockchain to this area has huge potentials. And I'm not talking just about a theor theoretical use. We are seeing this use in practice, being put into practice in many places, including Hong Kong. Hong Kong has this very interesting E-Trade Connect platform, and many banks participated in that. So. I think uh, it's in there where blockchain can make a huge uh, impact as well. You are one step ahead of me, Oriol. So I was going to dive into uh, how blockchain can actually disrupt the traditional finance industry. And you mentioned trade finance. So I guess we can just start there, right? Now, I understand with blockchain, it can help remove these paper-heavy lading bills. It can create more transparency and securities among, among different parties. Now, but can you give us a very concrete example of how does this actually work in trade finance? Like, how does this actually improve the original system? I mean, imagine, for example, that you are selling a good from Hong Kong to uh, Rotterdam. Uh, so you have the, 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 the seller, the buyer, no, and there are the, the ships that bring the, the cargo from one point to the other. There are many parties involved in this transaction. No? I mean, uh, for us, it's simply like maybe like going online and ordering something on Amazon Taobao, but, but it involves much more than that. Now, there's a whole process behind that. And this process has been for much the same. No, this it involves a physical exchange of documents, a physical exchange of files, and that's not very efficient. I know it has worked like that for centuries, so it works, but perhaps not efficiently enough. Imagine, for example, that there's a change in, in the cargo, in the order, that needs to be registered by, by all the parties. But given that all the parties are not like properly connected sometimes and it's quite physical. Uh, the change made perhaps by the party in, in Rotterdam may not be done accordingly by the party in Hong Kong. So applying blockchain, it just you know blockchain to, to the end of the day is I know it's much more than that, but it's it's also a, a database. No, I mean that that's the, the, the base idea, the baseline of a blockchain. So I would say that uh, applying blockchain to this area can actually help this process become much more much more efficient. Now, just to be a little more practical, let's just use your example of sending goods from Hong Kong to Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Uh, so let's say someone from Rotterdam ordered something online that needs to be transported from Hong Kong to Rotterdam. How does blockchain play a role in this? Uh, will all of these transactions be recorded on the blockchain so it's immutable? Or, and how does it make the process faster? So blockchain helps all those parties to be properly integrate and then you are creating this system which i know that some people when criticizing blockchain they say oh at the end of the day it's a database no so you can also create like a yep, an excel file in a, yeah i mean you can you can create like an excel file but it's much more than that you said before a blockchains um, network blockchain networks can be a public private permissioned etc so so this is why you can create a private blockchain 
between all the parties involved in that transaction that will ensure that anything happening in, in these transactions, not just regarding your the cargo in that specific ship that you mentioned, but regarding all the transactions that you make, like let's say in one year, in one month, any, anything, are actually you no know, part of this ledger. You no, know, they are recorded there. They are immutable. They are secure. So it's this degree of integration, um, speed, uh, security, immutability that makes blockchain so interesting in cases like trade finance. And quickly moving on, in terms of other use cases, I guess one of the most talked about methods of how blockchain can really transform the finance industry is in terms of payments, right? People have been saying blockchain can really facilitate faster payments at lower fees compared to banks, and it also reduces operational costs and kind of real-time transactions. Can you um, go deeper on that for us? In general, applying blockchain to the area of payments, even without cryptocurrencies, could offer like a higher security, lower uh, costs uh, of sending those payments. Um, it would allow banks as well to introduce a, a new level of service. Uh, Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Bring new products to the market as well does allow these banks to, well, I'm not going to say compete because I don't like this word, but be in a better position against uh, certain fintech startups. I, I was in the other day, and to some extent it's true that the biggest bank of the world right now is Apple. And then some people say Starbucks as well, because they are actually, through, through their um, membership card or, or through other products, they're actually holding more, much more deposits than many of the actual traditional banks. So this, this I mean, makes, should make us think. I'm not saying that the banking industry is not going well. I mean, it's going well to some extent, but, but at the same time, it needs to, to change. It needs to catch up. And I'm not saying that banks are not doing that. Many banks are doing that already, so kudos to them. But some other banks perhaps are a bit, little bit more reluctant. And I think that um, payments, of course, is a key area where blockchain can be leveraged. I said without um, using a blockchain, but, but I'm sorry, without using a cryptocurrencies, but then there is one more area to that, which is uh, payments using cryptocurrencies. And I know this one is much more uh, trickier because we all know how volatile cryptocurrencies can be. So, but, but still, I mean, we are seeing uh, payments made in cryptos in, in many jurisdictions, in many cases. So uh, applying blockchain to payments can open many doors for banks, for traditional financial uh, companies 
whether they use cryptocurrencies or not. And I think it's key because it will allow those banks to offer new products. And in general, I would say that uh, the same uh, motto, same mantra that I keep repeating, it will allow uh, processes to be much more uh, faster, efficient and transparent. Even though I didn't say that before, but I should have, I'm not saying that blockchain is perfect. It's very important to remember that blockchain has also some issues. And for example, scalability issues. That's, that's an issue that, uh, that certain uh, blockchains have. And then, of course, there is also the, the environmental footprint. We all know that Ethereum decided to go for the merge and change the, the consensus mechanism in order to, to move from a, from a proof of work to proof of stake mechanism. No, so I'm not saying that blockchain is perfect. There isn't always like the need to use blockchain anytime someone wants to do something different. I, I know that sounds uh, silly, but it's very important because as part of my involvement in fintech, as I said before, I advise uh, companies as well. And I know that many companies well, ask me, you know, um, um, how could we use blockchain in this case? And in some cases, they should be using blockchain, but in some cases, they, they shouldn't. They don't need to. So I think it's very important for, for example, to banks or traditional financial institutions to first of all make sure whether they, there is a use case for them to use blockchain or not, because in some cases there might not be. But if there is, well, then it will help uh, make these processes uh, much more efficient in the way that, I, that we said earlier. Yeah, I think there's been some misconception, especially over the past few years, when blockchain was really like, a, like the talk of the town that Blockchain is the panacea or it's like it's the solution to everything. But when instead, you know, sometimes, as you mentioned, you know, like companies are just finding ways for blockchain to be used when actually blockchain sh shouldn't be a part of that system. So that's interesting. Oreo, you know, you were at lots of uh, conferences, you speak to lots of people. And what's the general sentiment like with regards uh, in the traditional finance area with regards to blockchain potentially competing with these trad traditional banks and making the banking system obsolete to some extent because in a way as you mentioned uh, payments can be done by cryptocurrencies very quickly intermediaries like bank are not needed anymore so what's the general sentiment like do they welcome this blockchain revolution uh, i don't think the banking sector will become the traditional banking sector obsolete honestly i think they will just need to adapt uh, in the same way that some of them are already doing i would say the sentiment has changed a lot these last few years up until the pandemic, I would say, 2017-18-19, I would say that traditional banks uh, were very reluctant uh, towards the idea of uh, not just cryptocurrencies, but blockchain uh, in, as a whole. I mean, I know it because I, I talked to some, uh, to some bankers uh, um, before the pandemic, and whenever they tried to bring to the table uh, those uh, ideas, they kind of, you know, got scared, and, and, and it was kind of a taboo word, you know, I mean, cryptos, blockchain, uh, DeFi, I would say that now the sentiment has changed. The banks realized that uh, they can and should leverage these new technologies, not only blockchain. I mean, and we can talk as well about uh, AI and many others, but in, to their profit, you know, in order to, to, to become much more competitive and, and efficient. So I would say there's been a clear change in sentiment. And I think that's kind of evident because last year we've seen many traditional banks like JP Morgan, DBS, Society, exactly. now, or or even like the 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 Central Bank of Singapore, you know, the MAS, they've been launching these pilot projects to experiment payments using blockchain technology. So I think that mm -hmm. echoes what you just said. Banks are realizing the essence of blockchain and how it will play a role in the future, and they are they're they're adapting.
Well, actually, Hong Kong, for example, is currently working on several CBDC projects. Them That's right. mm -hmm. is this very interesting Enbridge project, which basically, um, you know, includes a idea of trying to test uh, uh, this blockchain-based uh, platform for cross-border payments using CBDC. And even China, I think China is doing some mainland China, no, not Hong Kong, some very interesting uh, things in this area in the sense that, as you know, cryptocurrencies are, are banned in China. But it doesn't mean that China is not, crypt it's not sorry, blockchain friendly. China actually is a very blockchain friendly country, but they are applying blockchain without using cryptocurrencies at all. And I, and I said it is interesting because it allows you to see, I think that China is like the paradigm, the clear example of how blockchain can be used even without having to include cryptocurrencies at all. And I think banks started to realize that, that, I mean, in some cases, some traditional banks are also embracing the crypto industry. We are seeing some traditional banks getting involved in, in cryptos, as you said before, even investment banks, you know, JP Morgan, uh, Goldman Sachs, they are, I mean, they are investing in their, their portfolios in cryptocurrencies sometimes, but, but even if they don't want to have anything to do with cryptos, it doesn't mean that they don't want to do anything at all uh, with blockchain. No? So I think there's been a huge change of sentiment in that area these last few years, definitely. How long or where or what stage do you think we are at in terms of blockchain being used at a relatively decent scale in the traditional finance industry? And if you think we're still at a very early stage, what do you think needs to happen in order to see blockchain being used on a, on a global scale, like for it to see mass adoption in the space? If we compare it now, 2023 to let's say to 2018, uh, five years ago, uh, the change has been huge. Now, if you ask me, like, are we seeing like a massive widespread use of blockchain in the traditional banking industry? No, I mean, maybe not massive yet, of course. You know, not every bank has leveraged blockchain um, because maybe they don't need to, they don't want to. I think. Um, in order for this to become a reality, I would say that maybe two things would need to happen. As we all know, there have been some, some bad ships in, in the crypto industry. So by, by this spillover effect, I would say that sometimes when there is a, a, black, a black ship in the crypto industry, people tend to think that the whole crypto industry is the same. And then I would say that by, by, by a mimetic process, they tend to think that, oh, maybe we need to stay away from blockchain. And the reality is not, I mean, it shouldn't be like that. And I think that um, regulating this area will help many more people to dare to become part of it. I mean, Hong Kong, for example, the Financial and Treasury Services Bureau, during the Hong yeah. Kong FinTech, precisely the, the proposed exactly, new regulation yeah. that will come into effect soon. Um, so I would say that um, uh, regulating this sector more efficiently is key. And I know that some crypto enthusiasts uh, like this utopic world where uh, they feel like uh, they are acting in a completely centralized world, Etc. Etc. But to me, that's not very realistic. I mean, we are living in a world, you know, that that is governed by by rules, by countries. So, um, regardless regardless of how you of what you think of the crypto industry, I think that we need all to acknowledge that this industry needs to be more properly regulated. Otherwise, more FTXs will happen. We you need to protect people's investments, people's money. You need to protect as well those traditional companies willing to to leverage, you know, uh, to to get into this area. Uh, because mm. by doing so, you're actually going to create this level playing, playing field that will encourage more traditional players, more retail investors, more more common people, more more laymen to, to become part of this world. And I think to me that's key, you know, 
that that's key for the future uh, development of the whole industry. So to sum up what you just said, um, you think that the technology, the inherent technology has to be bolstered and has to be improved as well as there, has, there needs to be clearer uh, regulatory clarity and direction in various jurisdictions in order for blockchain to be uh, to be used on a global scale. So, um, Oreo, now before we end the show, because we're recording this in January 2023, it's that time of the year where we kind of make predictions for uh, what might happen for the rest of the year. Now, can you give us one prediction, one blockchain trend, or it doesn't have to be blockchain, or just crypto in general, that might happen, that you think might happen sometime in this year? Just one. Honestly, I mean, after last year, I, I don't dare to, to predict uh, much, but if I needed to say like one, I would say that uh, we are in parallel going to see an increase in the amount of traditional players embracing uh, blockchain, despite everything that happened, because blockchain, for example, uh, also includes or can be applied to the metaverse, which is a very hot topic. No, it's not just crypto. So we're going to see many more traditional uh, players uh, tapping into these areas whilst increasing their regulatory pressure or their regulations in general. I would say this will be the year of an increase in the, in the mass adoption as well, but also an increase in the regulations. Because uh, this crypto winter, Terra Luna, FTX, and everything that has been happening, I think has made everyone realize that uh, there is a huge potential in this industry, but things need to be changed and, and more regulated. So basically, I think it might be a continuation of 2021 with in terms of uh, more institutional adoption, whilst regulatory clarity slash framework will be more solidified in different jurisdictions, basically. I think that is the end of today's conversation. Aurel, well, thank you so much for joining us. As you can see, it's, it's, it's dark over here, but I'm sure it's still sunny over Spain right there uh, where you are. Well, thank you again for joining this show. For those of you who are listening to this show, uh, you've learned more about how blockchain can be applied in trade finance and in payments. Hopefully, you know, maybe next year we can see more traditional finance institutions getting involved in this space soon. Thank you again for listening. And, uh...